Welcome to Stony Brook United Methodist Church. My name is Bob Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here. On behalf of our senior pastor, Reverend Mary Jo Yankel, who is visiting Sunday school classes this morning, and our associate pastor, Jennifer Casey, I want to welcome you to our worship service this morning. And Jennifer will be our preacher for the day. We're looking forward to that this morning. Now, because of the increasing uh, COVID risk, we have moved all of our services, our meetings, and our classes back online. And your leadership board, your staff, and your COVID response task force are committed for the safety of the church community and also to help us to continue to fulfill our mission to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And my friends, even though we've made some changes, we will not be deterred in our mission. And we are so glad to have you participating with us this morning uh, in our worship time. So take a moment, go to our web, website, and fill out the connection card. That way we can know who is with us. If there's any way at all we can be helpful, please make a notation there. And we will do our, and, and you can also then use that to uh, in, include a prayer list. And we are so pleased that we're able to offer that service. have a couple of announcements I want to share. We still need some volunteers for Election Day, and that's on November the 3rd. We've done this for many years. We just need three for each three-hour shift, and they'll be helping to get the Greek folks at the door and helping with traffic flow in the building. If you're able to help, you can simply go online and sign up there or contact the church office. 240 dozen cookies sounds like a lot of cookies, and that's what we needed to help with the uh, Kairos uh, cookie project, and we asked for 240 dozen, but we got, because of your generosity, 401 dozen cookies. Thank you so much for your generous, generous outpouring. God is always abundant, and because of your generosity, we know that all of the, the inmates and the guards and the staff at Marion Correctional will receive a bag of, of Jesus cookies to be able to share the sweet taste of Jesus. And so we want to celebrate and thank you for that. And then on a personal note, um, let me, on behalf of Pastor Mary Jo and Pastor Jennifer, extend our sincere appreciation for the many notes and cards and acts of kindness uh, for our recent Pastor's Appreciation Day. We want to say thank you very much. Now, it's time for our annual stewardship campaign. Stewardship Sunday will be November the 1st. And our theme is, Revive Us, O Lord, for a Faithful Future. Will you listen now as Brian Wright shares a special stewardship message? Hello, my name is Brian Wright. My wife, Michelle, and I have been members of Stony Brook for many years now. I'm currently working at Stony Brook, or volunteering at Stony Brook, as a member of the Stewardship we have two kids, a son nine and a daughter six. One of the things that we are really grateful for about Stony Brook is the opportunity for us as a family to be together with a community of like-minded individuals and families where we can be together both in good times and in difficult times. Clearly right now is one of those difficult times. However, we still have the opportunity to be together as a church family, 
as a community family. And as we look forward to 2021, we can look forward to uh, a spirit of revival, if you will, where as a community, we can come together to do good things both locally here in Gahanna and more broadly in Ohio or things like the Appalachian uh, Service or globally on out into the world. Thank you very much for considering Stony Brook as you think about your 2021 giving opportunities. And now Deb Chakabee's plays for us, Hymn to Joy. As we gather to worship you, O Holy One, show us your presence, O God. As we join to pray at your footstool, exalted one, show us your ways, O God. As we unite our voices to praise you, lover of justice, show us your glory, O God. As we tremble in the cleft of the rock, silently waiting you, merciful one, Show us your goodness, O God. Let the earth shake in your praise, Most High. We extol your greatness and awesome name, ever-present God. 
Will you join your hearts and voices as you sing together at home as Pat Goldborn sings for us? Lift every voice and God, we come before you and join with all creation in singing praises to your holy name. You are the creator of all that is. You are the architect of time and the dreamer of eternity. To measure your power is just not possible. And yet, you love the world so much that you have sent your only begotten Son to redeem and save us. We thank and praise your holy name. As this pandemic continues to unfold with increased restrictions and ever-looming dangers to our health, we are still grateful for the blessings that you give us, for all the tangible stuff that makes life possible, even luxurious. 
We are so aware of the value of relationships and the simple things that make life meaningful. Family, home, career, calling, friendships, duty, excitement, technology, wonder, and fulfillment. Thank you, dear God. But mostly we praise you for your love for each of us and for all of us together. Thank you for that inward spark that grows into a heartwarming flame that assures us of your forgiving love by the power of your grace through faith alone. We are grateful. And yet, Lord, we confess that we've grown tired and weary and afraid. Life during this pandemic challenges us and and has pushed us to our limits. And even our faith sometimes seems to falter when we need it the most. And then you speak in many and various voices and tones the astounding truth that you love and forgive us, and you still keep wooing us and sustaining us and purifying us and making us holy in our stumbling walk with you. It is amazing to us that even persecution, peer pressure, a pandemic, and problems can still be avenues of your ongoing blessing, sustaining grace, and holy love. Help us to understand and celebrate the power and beauty of a a faltering faith that keeps on keeping on one step, one day at a time, persevering as your redeemed children saved by the blood of Christ. And as we determine in our hearts to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, we ask that you support and sustain us as your children, beloved, blessed, and reborn. As your church here in this place, we follow your direction and we ask for your healing grace to flow through us individually and as a fellowship to renew and raise up the sick, the suffering, the struggling among us. Be with our schools, dear God, the the students and parents and teachers and administrators. Send calm and a new vision to heal and help us all to move ahead stronger and more unified. We pray also for the health and safety of our nation, particularly in this electoral season. And we ask, dear God, that your guiding hand be on all the leaders of the world as we navigate together the dangerous waters of the pandemic and all the associated economic and social fallout related. And this morning, Lord, draw close and bless Pastor Jennifer as she breaks for us the very bread of life through your word. May our hearts feel your message for us individually and as your church. We pray these and all of our prayers in the strong name of Jesus. And as he has taught us, we are bold to say with one voice, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Listen now as our bells ring for us, immortal, invisible. Amen. Thank you, Mel. That was beautiful. Hear now these words from Jesus from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. 
Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, for the gift of your holy scripture, we give you thanks. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to hear the word that you would have for us today. Amen. Can you hear that? The whisper. It's just there beyond the noise of the world. 2020 seems like the year that just won't end. It's as if time is standing still. I laughed at a meme on Facebook this week that said, we are now officially in year five, in year five of the year 2020. It's been an eternity of a year. An eternity of a year that includes not just a global pandemic, but some atrocious human behavior on display as well. A plot to kidnap a governor? Health officials being harassed and threatened? Overt racism? You've got to be kidding me! It's like a rage has been simmering beneath the surface of our society and the pandemic has just let it set free. At times, it's been horrifying. And our world is so loud. It's hard to quiet the extraneous sounds around us. Politicians, the media, businesses, all competing for our ears and for our wallets. They want to woo us into thinking a particular way, into supporting a particular agenda, into spending in a particular fashion? How can we silence the frivolous, the unimportant, and the untrue of our world? And where is God in the noise? Matthew's Gospel is filled with story after story about the religious authorities' attempt to silence Jesus. The pursuit to discredit and undermine him seems relentless throughout Matthew. As Matthew's gospel unfolds, the authorities become increasingly agitated by Jesus. His teachings? Too radical. His presence? A threat. Their solution? Quiet. Jesus. These men are not dumb. With political savviness, the Pharisees partner with the Herodians to confront Jesus. An unlikely cooperation between these two groups of men, for sure. There is perhaps no other situation that would have brought together the Pharisees and the Herodians other than a shared desire to remove any power that Jesus had. The result in this partnership was an attempt to trick him into answering a fail-proof 
question, a ridiculous and insincere question, a political conundrum, if you will. Tell us, Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? They just knew they had him. Affirming that it was lawful to pay taxes meant a religious violation of the first and second commandments. And it also meant alienating the impoverished, impoverished, those group of people that Jesus had been ministering to deeply throughout his ministry. This group of people who were becoming aware of their own value as creations of God. On the other hand, to advise against paying taxes meant he was encouraging people to rebel against the Roman Empire. Serious consequences would ensue if he had done this. A conundrum, indeed. How was Jesus to answer? That whisper, is it getting louder? I can hear it. It's telling us it's time. It's been an eternity of a year. We mark our lives with time. There are unwritten rules about when we should get married, when we should have children, when we should retire. Our days are structured through the chronology of the hours. We set alarms to wake us up. We eat at particular moments of the day. We work a particular work schedule. We can easily become a slave to the clock. Jesus' sense of timing, though, was perfect. Not to take the bait, not to get lost in the weeds of the question, Jesus turns their challenge into something bigger and more profound. And as he turns the conversation back to those questioning him, he asks them to produce a coin. I'm wondering if they may have started to feel any shame in this moment. Here they were trying to trick Jesus while all along violating the first and second commandments by even possessing this Roman coin. Were they embarrassed? Were they angry? Regardless, how embarrassing for them. And when they present the coin to Jesus, he asks them, whose head is on this coin? Of course, they answer, the emperor's. And rather than getting caught up in the conundrum, Jesus simply responds by saying, Give to the emperor what is the emperor's, and give to God what is God's. Though Jesus doesn't get caught up in the trickery, his answer still ruffles feathers. In the mind of the Roman Empire, Caesar was a god. In the mind of Caesar... Caesar was a god. There was no separation of church and state. Religion and politics, they were so interwoven that distinguishing between the two would be very tricky. How was one to distinguish between what is Caesar's and what is God's when the society was so interconnected? How are we to distinguish between what is worldly and what is God's. The Reverend Dr. Janet Hunt reflects on the dilemma in this way. She says, surely this dramatic moment in Matthew's Gospel is not only about taxes, is it? 
Indeed, all of life is a constant negotiation for all that we have and all that we are. I'm quite certain by Jesus using the example of the emperor's face on a coin, he's actually pointing to all of this, to all of those things which compete for our obedience and our loyalty today. We know that Jesus is always pointing to something larger than the particulars of the situation in front of him. We know that Jesus is always teaching the disciples, the crowds, and the political authorities about something bigger and more expansive about God. A God who could not be contained in a picture on a coin. The whisper is becoming clearer. Can you hear it saying, it's time? It's been an eternity of a year. I'm curious as to how you define eternity. I've always thought of eternity as time which never ends. And to be quite honest with you, I often use it negatively. I say things like, that meeting was an eternity. I've been sick for an eternity. This sermon is going on for an eternity. Author David Steindl Rast describes eternity this way in his book, Music of Silence. Eternity is not a long, long time. Eternity is the opposite of time. It is no time, and we cannot reach it by proceeding in mere chronological time. We are welcomed into time's mystery once in a while in our most alive moments. And it's when in these moments that we say, time seemed to stand still, or so much was crammed into so little time. Our sense of time is altered in those moments of deep and intense experience. It cannot be the future. We cannot be the past. We can only be in the present. It's been an eternity of a year. Just this past week, we've experienced Franklin County moving from orange to red in our pandemic color-coded system. This shift in life, once again, feels like a step backwards instead of a step forwards, and it's creating new disappointments and new cycles of grief. Close to our hearts this past week has been the Gahanna teacher strike. The stress level of our community has risen sharply. Teachers, administrators, parents, and students alike are all distressed. None of it is easy for anyone. How are we to distinguish between what is God's and what is worldly in the midst of a painful pandemic? Our attention, our minds, and our energy are all pointed toward the ramifications of the pandemic. Have there even been moments where we've experienced being truly alive in recent months, 
Is it possible when the world seems to be crashing around, all around us? And if we are to give our best to God, what is it we are giving when we constantly feel stressed and drained? So what I'm wondering is, would it be helpful for us to reframe this season of pandemic not in a Pollyannish way, not in an effort to minimize or diminish or erase anyone's experience, not in a way to justify any horrific things, but rather as a way to shift our thinking so that we can see the beauty shimmering in the midst of the disappointments and the negativity that is present in our world a beauty which has always been there, just waiting to be noticed. It's been an eternity of a year. We've graduated students from high school, college, and postgraduate school. We've watched couples unite, and we've welcomed babies into families. We've celebrated birthdays and milestones. We've cried with loved ones, and we've grieved our losses. We've lost jobs and experienced broken relationships and had heartache. We've served humanity. We've shared the gospel. We've invested in the future. We've prayed and supported and cared and funded and worked and laughed and loved. We've survived. I'd go even so far as to say at times... We've even thrived. It's been an eternity of a year. The ultimate offering you can give to God is you. When Jesus says, give to God what is God's, you are God's. The way you live your life matters. The way you understand yourself matters. The way you treat others, it matters. What better gift to return to God than you? Unfettered and free, you. Have you done this? Can you do this? It's scary to really release those things we believe give us safety and security and power. Things like our money and social status, our pretenses, anger and resentment and fear, busyness, anxiety and distraction, all of these things hide the truest parts of ourselves. It's time. It's time to let them go. It's been an eternity of a year. In this eternity of a year, your life is waiting for you. The mystery of those most alive moments are yours for the taking. God is waiting for you, and we know that our God is patient. Doesn't matter if this happens when you are a wee one or as you breathe your last breath. God is there waiting for you to release the parts of you which have kept you bound kept you scared, and kept you not fully you. Those Pharisee-like parts of ourselves, it's time.
time to say goodbye. It is in this time, in this place, in this pandemic, in this moment of eternity that Jesus invites us into life. A life which is full, beautiful, and rich. A life filled with peace and joy, justice and mercy. A life which sees every other human being as beautiful. A life of eternity. The time is right. The time is now. brand new roof to this church building. The gifts that have been given over the years, the good stewardship that has been caring for these financial resources that have been gifted to Stony Brook, made it possible for us to care for this facility so that ministry in the future can happen in this place. We give thanks to all of the ways that you offer yourselves. We give thanks to the trustees who worked really hard at organizing this project, ensuring that everyone, including the staff and the preschool, were kept safe while this project was happening. There were what felt like hundreds of roof workers here, uh, stripping the roof and replacing it uh, in almost less than two days. It was a sight to behold, and we are ever so grateful for the ways that you are committed to this church, this community, and future ministries in uh, this space. If you would like to give a financial gift to Stony Brook, you can do so by going to our website, stonybrook.church/gift. And give, and you can give in that way, or as always, you can mail a check into the church office uh, or use your online bill pay through your bank. We thank you for the ways that you support the ministry of Jesus Christ that happens through this church. And now, as we are uh, preparing to leave whatever space you find yourself worshiping, I invite you to remember that you 
are the greatest gift you can offer back to God. May you go throughout your day, throughout this week, as an offering to God, seeing God in all places and in all humans. And may you be reminded every moment of every breath of this week that you are loved deeply by God. Have peace be with each of you, my friends. Amen.